last time I have been speaking about stability and spaciousness as our two main supports on the path, but being really rooted in our bodies and through that being also rooted in the earth as, a, as an anchor for opening our minds, for you know becoming aware of awareness. And through that, you know, connecting with the wisdom and compassion of the Dharma as our guidance in these times of, you know, great challenges and uncertainty. And, you know, one of the classic templates in the early Buddhist teaching is what's called the Noble Eightfold Path, which starts with right view or right understanding. And in the Pali language, it's called um, Samaditi. And today I wanted to, you know, speak about that. But before going deeper into right understanding, I would like to just also mention the remaining seven components of the path. Just go over them once and you can just, uh, you know, settle in where you are sitting and let that basically rain on you. Just let it, you know, drop into you. I'm going to first um, present it in Pali, the ancient language in which the early Buddhist teachings have been laid down by chanting them, those eight components, and then read them in English as well. Samaditi, Samasankapa, Samavacha, Samakamanta, Samajiva, Samavayama, Samasati, Samasamadi. Samaditi, Samasankapa, Samavacha, Samakamanta, Samajiva, Samavayama, Samasati, Samasamadi. And in English, that's uh, Samaditi is right understanding. Sama Sankapa, right thought. Samavacha, right speech. Sama Kamanta, right action. Sama Achiva, right livelihood. Sama Vayama, right effort. Sama Sati, right mindfulness. And Sama Samadhi, right stability of mind, sometimes also translated as concentration. So those, you know, those eight strands of the Noble Eightfold Path, they are functioning together as a very strong cable we can use, you know, as we are responding to these very challenging times of great uncertainty. And... Uh, 
you know, the snowblade path is considered to, uh, protect, to protect us from our own greed, hatred and delusion and also from the greed, hatred and delusion of others. And that's what that's a really important uh, support, you know, to hold on in these times of great challenge, so that we actually can dare to enter into the field by having this cable, you know, to help us to keep us going in the right direction. Just when we are, you know, in Austria, there are some mountains when it's and when you walk onto those mountains at, at certain points, you know, when it gets very difficult and there is those cables, you can hold on to a rope sometimes. And that keeps us, you know, steady and going in the right direction if it's even it's difficult and we not need to slow down. But there is something there we can rely on in the midst of the storm. And... Uh, the first component is samaditi or right view. And that helps us, you know, to clarify where we are coming from, our motivation. And that's of paramount importance, you know, to know where we are coming from, to clarify that before we are stepping out into saying something or doing something. So shifting away, you know, from the, strong urge you know to do something just in order to do something just in order you know to get rid of the energy and acting out uh, reacting rather than responding from that need you know of of just like following the urge of acting so you're know, shifting away from being a savior to being a healing presence, you know, that's what the Noble Eightfold Path is here for. And, you know, to understand the importance to start where we are versus just prioritizing external action. That's really what uh, I want to speak today about. So the, the balance between being and doing and, you know, we all know how difficult it is, you know, if we feel this sense of urgency, you know, to do something. And then we really need to check in with ourselves and see, is that a sense of urgency, which is just like a trauma pattern, which is triggered, you know, through a situation? Or is there really something beneficial, something wholesome we can contribute to a situation? and know the difference. And that, you know, for that we need to stop, for that we need to slow down and turn inwards first. And, uh, you know, summer Diti or right view can really help us to discern. And there are two kinds of right view and both, you know, recondition the mind and the heart and help us to develop a different kind of perception, a perception which goes in direction not harming, doing what is wholesome and awakening, you know, awakening out of the dream of delusion. So that's what right view is all about. And then 
you know, there's two kinds. The first one is conventional or mundane right view. And the second one is ultimate or super mundane right view. And we need both of them, you know, it's like cultivating a binocular vision where we are having both views in our practice. So conventional or mundane right view speaks about, you know, that there are results for wholesome and unwholesome actions. So there's a difference between wholesome and unwholesome deeds by body and speech. There's generosity, there's giving, there's responsibility towards family and society. It's all about, you know, embodied life and about, you know, the repetition compulsion of trauma or karma. I think it's a very similar principle. And then uh, an ultimate or super mundane right view speaks about, you know, the transcendent practice of what's called the Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths, you know, have been laid out by the Buddha like a template which was used in ancient Indian medicine at his time and I think is still used today. And that says, you know, first it looks at what is the illness that would be the first noble truth that there is suffering and you know classically it has been described as sorrow lamentation pain grief and despair that's what you can read in the suttas as the definition for suffering so there is an illness and in the context of the four noble truths the illness is called suffering and then the origin of suffering is the second noble truth. And this is what's been in terms of an illness that would be the virus. And the virus is grasping and clinging attachment. And then the end of suffering, the third noble truth would be health, complete health. And that would is uh, defined in early Buddhist teaching as Nibbana or Nirvana. You know, full awakening from delusion, from ignorance. And then the prescription is the Noble Eightfold Path. That's the fourth noble truth. That's the path which gets us to this full health, the treatment. And, you know, we get a prescription from the doctor, but then we really need to follow it. The prescription is simple. It's the Noble Eightfold Path, but then to follow it, to live it, to be it is something you know we need to train over our whole lifetime and probably other lifetimes so you know as soon as there is right view in particular ultimate right view you know the whole path comes into vision comes into view and then you know leads us to the next component which is right thought and I, I plan to speak about that next time so right view you know is at the beginning and usually you know through this evolutionary urge in ourselves you know that we feel called to evolve in order to respond more fully in order to open our hearts and our minds more fully that usually 
brings us into contact with some kind of teaching which helps us to see things in perspective and in terms of the Buddhist teaching that would be the Noble Eightfold Path you know which starts where we are where we are right now by developing right view you know so whenever we are feeling a sense of urgency a sense of contraction a sense of needing to do something or needing to say something we come back first to ourselves and see you know what is underneath what is there what are we holding on to and you know usually that is experienced as unpleasant and then remembering you know the obstacles are the way the obstacles are not in the way, but the obstacles are the way. And this very, you know, urge of wanting to be somewhere else than where we are, that can become our entry gate into the path. By really stopping and connecting with that and holding steady with that and being okay and being accepting with that you know with the unease of this with the um The discomfort really and and so much you know about the path is to learn to be okay with the discomfort of our own bodily experience and then you know making space around that digesting what is underneath being with the trouble sitting in the mess and from that then allowing it to unravel and allowing the mind to open up more and more and through that opening you know the, the capacity to connect with the dharma will flourish and then we will know what to do we will know how to respond So, you know, the importance of being able to sense and feel our lives, you know, the highs and the lows, that's the starting point for acting. And this is, you know, what's different between the different from knee-jerk reactions, you know, but just doing something in order to feel better, doing something so we can say we have been doing something. And really not so much caring about the results. So just, you know, dropping into the body and you know, sensing how you are right now, today. 
you know, it's for some of us, for many of us, it's still the beginning of the day here on the West Coast. You know, sitting here and knowing, you know, what, there's so much going on out there in the world. It becomes more and more clear that we have reached, you know, the limitations of what the planet can support. We need to turn things around significantly, the way we live, the way we organize ourselves, and the, the huge complexity of that. And the fact, you know, that we basically don't know how to come into coherence because there are so many different needs and views and so much, you know, past causes and conditions which are bearing fruit and it seems all to be completely out of control. And it is out of control because it can't be solved with the dualistic thinking mind of just one viewpoint. There is 8 billion plus viewpoints. And we need to find a different approach. And the first place to start is to remember the motivation which brings us to this gathering here. You know, where we want to build a, a vessel, a container to invite the Dhamma and to invite, you know, past and present and future generations to work together. You know, standing on the shoulders of our ancestors who have developed these amazing bodies over billions of years. You know, being together as this group of we're about 21 people right now. And then there's also the future generations, which haven't come yet, but which are also present in some different realms than this one. And in all of the modern human presences, 
as soon as you know we open our minds to all of these intelligences, they will respond. This is a very subtle practice. Intention is very much the forerunner, you know, of what is possible. And right view shows us, you know, where we are grasping, where we are holding on, where we are still in the past. And then, you know, underneath that, we can sense the willingness in our own bodies, our willingness, you know, to make ourselves available. to develop further what we have received. So we can hand it over to future generations, including a planet which can accommodate our species. And we have to really adjust And, you know, checking in what that brings up, you know, some, maybe somebody, you know, feels some sort of fear, some doubt, maybe that's all just delusion. Yeah, like wanting to go back to be taken care of, you know, by some father figure, the whole patriarchal mindset, you know, which is really falling apart because we have outgrown that, the need for having a parent and all of the trauma, you know, which we have incurred in our own childhood all of the trauma, you know, which has been passed down over generations. Which we now, you know, still project onto the planet as being a being which doesn't need anything for themselves. There's just so much dissolving of old limitations and you know these old systems starting to show more and more cracks. And rather than you know desperately trying to glue them together, we are just paying attention to what comes through the cracks and allowing it all to recycle and 
reshape. So really working on our perception of right and wrong. through a playing right view, which basically says, you know, grasping is the origin of suffering. And life itself is a constant flow. And whenever we grasp at it, it's going to bite us because it can't be nailed down but we can flow with it. We can swim along with it. That's something we can do. You know, and sometimes we are tired, we can't swim, then we just allow ourselves to be carried by the flow. And then again, you know, we can. And then we do. And, you know, learning to connect with all of the supports which are there, the community, the Sangha, not just human, but the more than human community, which keeps us alive. And just also noticing your own connection to that community. Already, there's already some kind of resonance there because otherwise you wouldn't have come here to this meeting. You had to, you know, organize yourself to be here. So honoring that knowing in yourself The awareness, you know, there's something calling you means you already know something. You already know that there is a path. Otherwise, you wouldn't have come here. And, you know, the Buddhist path is just one amongst many paths, but it's one which also works. And it's quite pragmatic and has this very clear, you know, meditation teaching, which can help us to 
fine-tune the, the mind and the heart so that it can use that noble eightfold path, that cable, in order to stay on the right track. Even, you know, the storm, the sacred shit storm is starting. But even in a sacred shitstorm, we can walk the Noble Eightfold Path. You know, with this binocular vision of knowing the difference between wholesome and unwholesome in terms of action in the world, and also, you know, knowing where we are coming from. If we are coming from grasping and clinging, or if we are coming from acceptance and presence. The balance between doing and being. We need both. And through that, you know, we will be able to express our purpose, our contribution, our gifts, the medicine, you know, which we are bringing to the mix, why we have come. You know, as we are expressing our medicine, we are also receiving more and more of the information which comes to us through the web of life. Or we can call it the Dharma. There are so many ways. So that calling, you know, is a spiritual resource for own healing work and for the healing of the world. So that, you know, that uh, capacity to identify value and truth and then act on it. Not from a place of desperation and contraction but from a sense of devotion and service. You're being more or less like a channel for something to move through us rather than wanting to get rid of pressure. 
It's more like you're not giving a gift. A gift which doesn't belong to us, but which is, comes through our own gifts. Really, you know, kind of attuning to that uh, calling by sensing into it. You know, that's something we can do together because usually, you know, in community, that connection with that sense of calling gets uh, amplified. This, you know, evolutionary urge, which is inherent in life. And I think there are phases where it gets stronger, you know, when we come to these bottlenecks, such as the bottleneck we are now already entering, you know, through the limitations of the biosphere, meeting the huge amount of extraction and you know the unsustainable ways of uh, conducting business for over 8 billion people which the planet cannot sustain it simply doesn't have the means so that's the bottleneck which puts pressure on everything else And then, you know, we have these explosions of violence and despair as we see them in the Middle East, in the Ukraine, and in, in some of the African countries. And who is going to be the next? The pressure is going to build up. We need to learn to work with that pressure. To see, you know, where is the opening where we can actually do something. Surely not by throwing bombs and destroying lives or destroying cities. That's crazy. Response. But by really seeing the grasping, the grasping to the past, which is not sustainable, it just has to change. Transition is asking for transformation. 
there's no way around it. And we need to start with our own transformation. Otherwise, we are just stuck in this repetition compulsion. which is called samsara in the Buddhist teaching. There's even a perfume on the market, you know. It's called samsara. I don't think they knew what they were using. You know, they really didn't know the understand the meaning because it's not very attractive. to be caught in competition in repetition compulsion is not the kind of perfume I would like to use, if any. So that's a really good example actually, you know, of delusion and waste of time. And still, you know, it makes a good presentation inside of the consumerist battle. So times are urgent, we really need to slow down and look at where this is all coming from. Where does it all start? It certainly starts, you know, with us, with our own minds, with our own habits, with our own outmoded perceptions. And that's where we can start to make a difference. Otherwise, we're just going to make it worse. The solutions are not to be found on the same level of consciousness which created the issues. We need to drop deeper. We need to be willing and do the prep work, to not just blindly run into action, just to feel better for a moment. Moving the deck chairs on the Titanic endlessly until it sinks.
practice and listening into the, the silence of the mind, the spaciousness. and sensing the vibrancy and the fullness of that emptiness, the fullness of possibility. If we don't clutter it all up with past habit, and I'm trusting that unmanifest wisdom and compassion to inform us But just, you know, allowing that spaciousness, relaxing with the out-breath into that spaciousness, you know, which is uh, not ending at the walls of the room we are sitting in, but it constantly expanding as we are sitting here. then, you know, becoming aware of that which knows about the spaciousness. Awareness of awareness. like dropping the perception of spaciousness and allowing the mind to make a new U-turn looking at itself, you know, or becoming aware of its capacity to reflect, like a mirror which effortlessly reflect, reflects any object in front of it. Becoming aware of that capacity for knowing without doing anything. That which knows is not limited. And then there's those limited objects which arise and cease in the knowing. 
and we want to shift our identification from the objects which are rising and ceasing to the knowing itself. That is the refuge in Buddha. And by being in that knowing, we can invite the wisdom and compassion to inform us. It's like raining down on us. Without grasping or clinging, without language without words but it is a transmission which comes through sitting in that openness and sensing the vibrancy the fullness of emptiness the fullness of potential that can only be felt and sensed if the mind is not clinging to anything, if the mind is wide open rather than contracted. That's a taste, you know, of the goal of the practice, which my first teacher, Ajahn Buddhadasa, called it a little Nibbana. temporary liberation of the mind and then you know being able to sense into that vibrancy of that unmanifested wisdom and compassion which can inform us if we can stay open
So it's hinting the vibrancy. the fullness of emptiness. The, the fullness of potential. If we can stay open to it. That's you know that's the only way how we can really midwife a future, which isn't a repetition of the past, but something which is organically emerging. as we are standing on this threshold. With so many things falling apart. And out of that compost, the new life is going to come forth like it does you know every spring in the gardens in the forests we are not different from that Then we're coming slowly back again, you know, to the body by allowing the breath to, you know, connect us deeply into the body, sensing the earth underneath us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.